My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 154 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for rocking with this podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome to the family. Make sure you're here every single Monday. We drop audio episodes then. Join us on our Insta page, which is Legally Clueless Podcast. A big shout out to the 15,000 followers we have there. The family is growing. And make sure you also check out our YouTube channel. I've put a link to it in the show notes, but if you search Legally clueless the bright yellow page will come up and when you're there you can watch our video series and our tour series yeah i'm really excited about this particular episode because the story featured speaking of our video series is the story that wrapped up season two listen to this my name is lynn Gogi, and i got called to a national school and i could not make it because mom did not have the school fees so my mom had transitioned from a shoe sailor to a hawker i enrolled in journalism school to go years and you know what happens when you come out it's hard i dropped demos everywhere in this country all the media stations in this country i dropped demos but who is calling you back there's no money man hakuna tafea so during that time i had a friend of mine in dubai so i started talking to her on facebook her name is jackie and she was working in dubai so that's when she told me come try and see if you can find a job here so i went to dubai i used to love getting paid so I could call my mom and tell her mom I'm sending you something when you work at a job you don't love because your mind is full of a job that you love it's hard so that's Lynn Googie who is one of the top YouTubers I was going to say podcasters YouTubers in Kenya I absolutely love her channel. I love the candid interviews that she does and her energy. Her energy is what's it for me, but we'll get to that in a bit. Right now, let's jump into me shouting you out. This is something that I want to do. I think I used to only shout out people who send audio notes to the hotline, but our Insta page gets a lot of love. So I figured for the next couple of weeks, I could shout out different people who've shown the podcast love who are part of the Legally Clueless farm on Instagram. And in this episode, it's Becca from Limpompo province in South Africa. She says she's been listening for a year. Wow. And she says it's my perfect escape from my work, which largely centers around hard news. Oh, that's very heavy. That's very heavy. Um, And she said, I've asked literally everyone who cares to listen to me to jump on this podcast. It is so kind of you to not only listen to the podcast, but also to like recruit (laughs) or pass on the love i really do appreciate that and i appreciate that we're kind of borderless you know coming from kenya tons of listeners from kenya but like crossing over to different parts of the globe not just the continent that's wild okay my earring is like clinking as i record this let me just take it out now the other one is okay can we move on Oh, speaking of South Africa, the song of the week is by a South African artist whose name I have been trying to practice his name so that I can share this song with you without me butchering it. But (sighs) I'm not making much headway. So the name of the song is, you know what, let me sing it the way he does in the song because it's easier that way. Ma, si, ye, kelele. Yes. (laughs) It sounds so much easier when I sing it. And it's a song by Bongeziwe. 
Mabandla. Let me tell you, this song, I have no idea what he's talking about. Like, I even watched the music video to try and get a few clues. I did not. But either way, I really love this song. And he's such a pure artist because then obviously, like, once I start liking songs, I not only chamboa the lyrics that I can understand, <laughs> I go to the artist's kind of social media pages if it's an artist who I've never interacted with. And when I did that for him, I found that he's also a visual artist, like he paints and stuff. Just like consider me a new fan sir even though i have no idea what you're saying in this song but it's beautiful so i've put a link to it in the show notes make sure you check it out and i hope you dig it as much as i do now i have some really awesome news remember that book i co-wrote yes no okay so i co-wrote a book with a lovely kenyan lady called lanji and the name of the book is our broken silence like even as i'm telling you this i'm looking at my copy and it freaks me out. I'm just like, it's here. Like, this book is what madness, right? Anyway, so it's super exciting to be an author now. Ah, it feels so good, so good. And especially because of what the book is about. So it's called Our Broken Silence because we're talking about surviving sexual violence. And my chapters look at how you can reconnect with your body again as a survivor specifically of rape, which is what I experienced, and just kind of like my journey back to my physical body. I talk also about like relationships and how how tricky it is. Hmm. How tricky it is when, you know, you add the element of sexual trauma. Because intimacy and physical touch are, are very important parts of a relationship. But they're also very tricky areas to navigate when you're a survivor of sexual violence. Not also forgetting the issue of like your own self-esteem and self-confidence in your physical body. It's just very heavy. And I touch a bit on on that in the book, so I can't wait for you to read it. And there's also other stories by other survivors of various forms of sexual violence. And not just from Kenya, but from the greater East African region. And not just from our generation. Okay, my neighbor is home. <laughs> Sorry for that horn, but not just for that generation, like our generation, but also we have stories in the book from pre-colonial times, colonization, right after, all the way to present day, which I think is not only important, but unfortunately it shows that things aren't changing and it's our hope that reading all of these stories will like spark that quest for change and will also, if other survivors interact with the book, help them feel not so alone, help them navigate liberating themselves from shame and and silence, which is why the book is called Our Broken Silence. See in the show notes. I put details on how you can buy the book on Amazon. However, we're launching the book on the 3rd of March right here in Kenya. So excited. I think I sing when I'm excited. I don't know. I have to monitor. <laughs> Because I break into song a bit too often on this podcast. But yeah, so I'm very excited about it. We're launching it at the Macmillan Library in Nairobi CBD. And that's going to be from 6 p.m. So tickets are 3,000 bob because that's how much the book is going for. So once you buy your ticket on ticketsasa.com, if you head over there, you just search our book in silence launch. You should be able to spot the event and even buy your ticket there. If you have any problems, you can DM me on 
Instagram. I'll put up the details there as well. Right now, we're just really trying to push as many people as well. We're allowed to, COVID protocol, to come for the launch. It would be so nice to see you there. If you're in Nairobi, that would be super awesome. And also remember, a percentage of the proceeds from the book go to Safe 247, which is a project under my initiative, which is a free group therapy program for survivors of sexual violence. So it's linked to so much and i i'm really just so excited like if you see me now i'm blushing i'm looking at the book like oh my god how did you get here (laughs) how do i have a book it's absolutely wild but i'm very proud i'm actually extremely proud of myself and i can't wait for you to to read the book so ticketsasa.com or just if you're not in nairobi and can't attend the launch You can buy your copy on Amazon. And in the show notes, I have put M-Pesa payable options for those of you who can't attend the launch, but you still want to buy the book and you're in Kenya. All right, on from that exciting news to more exciting news. I don't know if you know of this YouTube page. It's called Cleaning the Airwaves. It's, It's started by a Kenyan guy called Richard Njau or Richie, or if you knew him when he was a rapster, rapper I was gonna say, yeah rapster actually Asta was his name and he has this page where he documents stories of people who have been part of like the media entertainment industry and then it morphed to just documenting stories of you know people in different forms of business from different African countries very similar we're in the same family with him as Legally Clueless in that we're amplifying African stories but his kind of structure is very different from ours but he called me up in January and he was like yeah I want you to be on the show and I was so intimidated at first because if you go to the type of people who've been on his show they've like been in industries for like 20 years 30 years I'm just like I'm <laughs> in my 10-12 years what am I sharing it's so weird how immediately we're faced with an opportunity our first thought is imposter syndrome isn't that crazy unless it's just me who battles it but it's like why is that our first reaction instead of being like hey perhaps this person has seen something in me that's valuable and worth sharing and impactful so it was beautiful to kind of like take a walk through during the interview my childhood kindergarten primary years high school years in Botswana coming back to Kenya interning at Chinatin going into talking a lot about my mother of course who was just and is still such a heavy influence in my life yeah there's a lot of things that I talk about that I've I don't believe I've ever spoken about in front of a camera mm-mm, mm-mm. so anyway I'll put a link to my episodes on cleaning the airwaves you can watch that it's on youtube i really enjoyed the process and yeah i'd like you to check it out so i'll put a link in the show notes enough about me let's jump to 100 african stories speaking of youtube she is one of the top youtubers in kenya she's you know why i like her i find that there is a secondary pandemic we're facing in kenya which is like clout chasing mediocre content shallow it's just not nourishing for the soul you know what i mean And I'm seeing so many more pages like that popping up and it's like, what is going on, Kenya? In that space, it's so refreshing and so great to come across content that speaks to your soul and that's genuine. And like when you watch Lynn on her show interviewing people, you can feel her genuine energy, you know, and 
I'm so honored, first and foremost, to have shot an interview with her. Once it's out, I'll definitely share the link with you. But even more so, to have her be on our video series and close season two was just amazing. But her story is so powerful that I was like, I have to share it with you here. She takes us from being a barrister in Dubai to present day YouTube star and just kind of like takes us along on the road she navigates towards her dream of having her own platform, owning her own show, and making crazy impact globally. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So for those who do not know, my name is Lynn Gogi. I'm here, super legally clueless. I was brought up by an amazing mom, a single woman, raising four daughters of her own, and she genuinely gave up her dreams so that we could be where we are today. I love you, mom. Growing up was not easy, especially in Huruma. Shout out to all, I'm gonna say so many shout outs in this show. <laughs> shout out to the guys at Huruma. Growing up in Huruma was not easy, never easy especially when and you can see people, thugs, and and you can't shout because you're like, if I shout, and these are people I know, they will come and they'll be like, Mama, so you would just be an observer when people are getting, you know, things were, thieves were doing their business because you can't snitch, do not snitch, or they'll come for you. And But growing up in Huruma for me is the main reason why I do what I do. Because I always say if you've experienced that life, it's easier for you to see stories and know. I lived this life. This was me a couple of years back. So my mom took us through school, me and my sisters, I'm the second born, and she insisted on education. She would genuinely, she's a businesswoman in Gikomba, and she would wake up so early in the morning, go to Gikomba, do her business, and then make sure you guys go to school. And we got chased out of school more than we were in school. So I was the kid where if the teacher comes and they want to say, I know many people don't know, my name is Pauline, so... If the teacher comes and the first thing they want to do is get rid of the people who have not paid fees, they'll be like, Pauline Gogi. So I used to stand even before they come because I know I'm out. And then you will wait for the teacher to move around. So you just act nicely. You take your bag and you walk out. And then you time the teacher when he goes back to, and then you go back to class. And then he comes for round two. I told you to go home. So it was cat and dogs, <laughs> Tom and Jerry. I mean, I, at that age, when you know, when the teacher comes and the first thing they will say is leave, you feel sad because you are a brilliant student. I was always among the top students. So sometimes the teacher would chase me, sometimes they would feel sorry for me. But at that period, when you're looking at the other students, you are like, God, when will it ever work out for me? But then you go home and your mom tells you, don't worry, tomorrow I'll have a thousand and you can take it to school. So that was my mom, a dope, a dope woman. And she made it work for us. And I remember when I reached class eight and performed really well. And I got called to a national school and I could not make it because mom did not have the school fees to get me to school, to form one. And you know, I always say in Huruma, you are not enlightened. And bursaries are to who is who. So even if you go for bursaries and you don't know anyone, 
of course no one is going to give you the bursary so when I, I, I couldn't make it to high school and my mom came home and she was like, there's nothing I can do. You have to repeat. And I was like, mom, no, 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 no. Because my big sister was in uh, high school. So there's no way she could manage to have two girls in high school. And she came and she's like, and you have to go back. And I'm like, mom, it's okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. Because for me, every time my mom would cry, I, I I could do stuff just to make sure my mom doesn't cry because I was I was used like I hate when I see my mom cry it breaks me like I, I would rather the whole world cries sorry selfish as it is but I do not want to ever see my mom cry again so of course I went to I went back to class eight and I remember I went to Ndururuno Primary School in Huruma. And opposite Ndururuno is Moifosis Academy. So you have a road dividing the rich and the poor. And I was like, God, I showed up with my small locker. It's when Kibaki said it's free education for all people. So I showed up with my small locker and I had this really small locker. It was so small and out of place. And I sat in front. So all the students, when they would pass, this new kid, wrong uniform, locker, ah, but the teacher, the teacher, Mr. Ochilo, who was my English and um, math teacher at Ndururuno, he's still there, an amazing teacher, was very kind. The structure was, if you pass, you sit in front. If you don't, you sit at the back. So we did exams that time because I reported almost when they were doing uh, exams and I got 88%. I always nailed it in maths. I mean, I do not know what, I don't know what career would have come out of maths, but I would have been so good because I nailed it at maths and English and the teacher was always like, so I, I, I got to sit in front with my friend Linda and so now the students, they start loving you because you get to show them the homework, you get to help them with ABC, made it work. Again, I passed. I went to a very cold high school in Kinangop. Anyone who, <laughs> the Mboshoris and the leg warmers are from Kinangop. I went there at Kinangop, the same pattern, you get chased and then you come back. Most memorable moment would be when I got chased for fees when I was informed to. My mom had transitioned from a shoe seller to a hawker. So we are at a round fire station. I tell, I call my mom, I've been chased from school and she's like, So she had this bill. I love, I, I don't know how hawkers do it, but they really do it. With their mizigo and kanjo, they really do it. So I'm there with my mom. My mom tells me to find her. So we are selling the shirts and people are buying and people are buying. So you move from this point, you run, you go to the other point, you run, you go to the other point. And I remember my mom sold almost 1700 that day and she bought me chips the fries at around Koja and she akaniweka kwatulaga and I went back to school with my cool 1500 to give the teacher you are not chasing me here is the money man but seeing my mom hook that, that that day I went back to school I mean your mom is hooking in town and she's counting the money to give you so that you can go back to school and that did something to me I, I went to school angry like god I want to nail this for my mom I want to nail this uh, and it was it was so school was nice high school was nice school people and of course we did our exams again you pass you can't go to uni because money i hate poverty i mean poverty is so i i don't know yani shida ni shida i i hate poverty like nachukia shida 
because you have this much potential in you and you can't even go to uni. Wanted to do law in uni because when you see Boston Legal, you see Suits, you see Harvey. Who doesn't want to be Harvey? Like who doesn't want to terrorize people in a courtroom? Like, ah. So I loved law, but again, I could not I could not make it. So started my acting career, set books and all. You cram an entire set book. You go and um, act in schools. You get your 600 bob. And I would save kidogo, 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 kidogo. But then it's never enough. It's never enough. And one day when my mom came from Gikomba, she's like, I need you to go look for a college. I'm like, mom, a college, me, a college. I, I was like, mom, how will you pay? She's like, I love my mom again. She doesn't know how she will, but she will. So I go, there's this school when we used to act, East African School of Media Studies at Teleposter Towers. And I remember I had gone there as an extra for changing times or something. One, changing times. They were needed extras and we were just, they used to act around that place. And I remember I have seen a journalism school. So this is me now. I went there and I got into the principal's office and I'm like, I want to enroll. I'm always late in school. You go when semester one, isha, isha, unengia semester two. And I had, I was armed. The school was 140K. My mom had given me 50K because her jobs in Gikomba had started opening up and now she's bringing in bills and things like that. So she gave me 50K. I'm armed. And I told the teacher, the teacher says, no, you can't enroll. You have to wait. I'm like, no, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. I went there on a Thursday and on Monday I was in school. So that's where my journey towards media. I did not go because I wanted to do journalism. I went there because when we were acting, I saw people uh, doing journalism, but then I always had that urge of news reporting, Catherine Kasavuli, Sophie Kenye, Aman Poe. They were like, hey, these women are doing it, man. So I enrolled in journalism school two good years, and you know what happens when you come out. It's hard. You cannot drop seed. You drop audios. You drop CDs. Hey guys, I used to have a friend of mine. Her name is Kate. We used to have uh, the Spark Show. So we even made a demo like, hey guys, my name is Lynn and Kate and welcome to the Spark Show. Guys, we have Kanye West in the house. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you do the demo and then you drop. I dropped demos everywhere in this country. All the media stations in this country, I dropped demos. But who is calling you back? Who is you? <laughs> I feel like every time they would read my CV or my demo, I always had this imagination. These people, the HR, they are, who is this girl? From which family? <laughs> so no one is calling you back. So so after after college, then we go dropping CVs for like four or five months. No one is calling you back. Your mom is giving you cash to go do the audios. And then you compile them. You even do a cover. And then you even do I, but after five five or so months, I got tired because me and my friend Kate, we would go and drop everywhere. She has a voice for radio. So when we are dropping mine for TV and radio, we are also dropping hers. And then she, her, she got an attachment, but I, di I, I, I did not get anything. So I think after five or six months, you get tired. 
and I had this amazing friend of mine, Gregory, and he was he had this he has this film production company. It's called Kiwa Films, and he would constantly like, hey, you can do this because I pitched to him a very wonderful show, and they shot it for me pro bono. It was called Medical Journal. He shot it for me pro bono, so we kind of connected, and he was a good guy. So I would go once in a while talk to him, but you know, there's no money, man. Hakuna atafea. So, hata ukiitiwa, kuja uone venye watu wanafanyanga hizi vitu and you don't have fear, you start giving up. There's always that moment in life where you feel like I've tried. I've done enough. I can't do it anymore. God, why have you forsaken me? Why is nothing working for me? This life, you know. But then you put on your Kanye West and you are like, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. And then you just give up. During that time, I had a friend of mine in Dubai. So I started talking to her on Facebook. Her name is Jackie. And she was working in Dubai. So that's when she told me, come try and see if you can find a job here. So I went to Dubai. Visiting visa. You go there with a visiting visa and you start tamakin. It's called tamakin. You're dropping your seed. Now you're applying for everything. Security guard. security guard you don't have the qualifications but when they say yes you will put on your arm and you're like security guard yes waitress yes what other jobs how do you call the people who open the doors for you when you get into a hotel they carry your luggages those those yeah those yeah those ones yeah any job you apply so you just change application for a job as a security guard so you just do some few edits on the cv and you tarmac as you drop them so we used to get into a group of four you tarmac because we used to sleep in a room like this and it had like eight beds, the deckers, so you pay a fee so that you can sleep there and then you wake up and you go in tarmac. But Dubai, they know you are a visitor because your visa is tourist visa. <laughs> so remember you have one month. After one month and no one is calling you back, you go home. Luckily, few days to my visa expiring, Costa Coffee, they called me and they're like, because we had gone for an interview and they're like, hi, we saw, uh, we just wanted to let you know that you have gotten the job as a barista. And I'm like, whoa, I'm asking them, oh, yes, yeah, oh, they're like, so we wanted you to come to the office so we can start preparing your documents. So it's four days to the, egg, I think four or three days to the expiration of my visa. So when we went to the office, I told them my visa has expired. It's almost expiring. So they were like, no worries we have accommodation we start our job in two weeks so you can move into our accommodation and then you exit because now you have to come in with a work permit so I exited to Oman and then they paid for my ticket to Oman I exited and then I came back to Dubai and that's where my journey as a barista at Costa Coffee because Costa Coffee is like a Starbucks so that's where my journey at Costa Coffee started got trained on making coffee and it was an amazing journey but you you make coffee because you're standing 12 hours you are like no <laughs> you keep thinking i could be a journalist back home because everyone in your circle is it's like making it you know you see people are making it and you love this job too because you get to send back a bit of money here and there home i, f- I always felt good every time i put money on my mom's like sending mom money and then mom nimekutumia ndo honestly i used to 
love getting paid so I could call my mom and tell her, mom, I'm sending you something. I loved that part. I loved that part. So even on this song by the good, the good, the good life for the first 10 few years, when they say my mom won't pay rent no more, I always imagine my mom, not her. Bentley, not paying rent and all those things. But you do this job you love. You start making friends. And I even met my ex-fiancé. <laughs> I met him there. And it was a nice place. But I got dreams. I want to go back home, man. So I, I went through a very bad depression that time. Because you're showing up to a job you don't love. Thinking of a job that you love. So it was very hard for me. So I quit. Like when you work at a job you don't love because your mind is full of a job that you love, it, it, it's hard because you have no family. I mean, your mom is not there. You can't call her. Your sisters are not. You don't even want your sisters to know you are suffering or even your mom to know you are suffering because she'll tell you come back home. Your mom does not even know the job that you are doing there. To her, you are working in what? PR or something? I don't know. You know, because I can't let my mom know. But I have dreams to chase, you know. I have dreams to chase and it will break her. So... Honestly, most of the times I wish I could call my mom. But then, as I said, I met this wonderful guy. Back then, he was wonderful. And he, he, we just kept encouraging each other. But it figured a point. I was making coffee in the morning, and I'm like, I can't do this. God, I want to go back home and try again. So I quit, came back home, armed with trying again. I've come back home so many times. This is the only time I've stayed. Came back so many times. It did not work. After six months, I went to Qatar. My boyfriend in Dubai, he had moved to Doha. So he had found a good job for me at Doha. So I went to Doha to work there, Qatar Foundation. And they also had this nice coffee place. I always say my end goal is to have a coffee. I've, I've loved having coffee shops. So I went there also. I operated in this coffee shop. It's called Monty's. We were the first, me and my brother Andrew, an amazing guy we still talk to date. You would wake up early in the morning, you go set it, set the display, the croissants and the cakes, the cheesecake and strawberry sauce. And nice guys would come and buy coffee and they would tip you. And I'm like, God, it's raining now. People are awesome here. They would tip us and it was awesome. So Adele. You can't do it again. No matter how much you love it, you can't do it. But I saved quite a lot of money. A lot was almost 700k. <laughs> to a girl from Huruma, 700k is no joke, yo. It's not joke. It's no joke. So I had saved that plus the one they give you the eggs. Because we used to work for Qatar Foundation. And it was nice. The pay was nice. The apartments were beautiful. We were living the good life. Because it's Qatar Foundation, you know. So you're living a good life. So I saved almost 700k. So I had quite a bit of money when you put together with your saving. I came to follow my dream here. And I was like, now I need to go production full force. Oprah Winfrey is here, guys. Say no more. So I called my guy Gregory and I pitched to him my idea. People know this story, the Kilimani Moms Show. Because we had this group called Kilimani and stories because me work are evil. But I knew, and this is why I love doing what I do. In between words, people are in pain. So no matter how vulgar or profane this group was, there were people who actually found comfort by opening up in those places. People are talking about uh, domestic violence. People are talking about rape. People are talking, they appear funny and gossip, but I could see 
something is not right here. People have stories. So I went pitched to uh, Gregory Kio again, and I'm like, I have this idea. You know, I love Gregory because he always said, Lynn, do it, do it, let's do it. So we go to Power 254, we get the hall, post it on Facebook, and people come for the show. Women come and they, they volunteer to come and tell their stories. Adele, we had around circle, a semi-circle. And I was there standing now like Oprah Winfrey, interviewing people, you know, and you have your audience. And we had catered for, the, the production was free, thanks to Gregory from the cameras. I, I had 13 people in my set. Even today, I'm yet to reach that level of production. I had someone asking me, Lynn, are you okay? Is your makeup okay? I'm like, oh my goodness. Someone is, Aline, your mic is okay? Oh, I had someone on the lights, on the sound, Oh God, it, even today I dream of having such a set one day because that, that's the closest to magic of production I've ever seen. And Gregory did all that pro bono, called his community of filmmakers and producers and directors and they came to my set for free and we shot Kilimani Mom's show brought to you by Lynn Googie. Where? Shot good episodes, put the pilot on YouTube and then... <laughs> My audience, they laugh at this part. And then I was served with a trademark infringement notice, copyright from a very big media house here in Kenya. Said they had copyrighted Kilimani Moms, so I could not use it on the show. And we had put the pilot for two days and it was trending. And I open on YouTube and my show is gone. My YouTube account is gone. And I have a letter and I just called the media house and I'm like, why, why? This is my dream, you. And the lawyer from the other end was so rude. There's that part of me that wants to ask that lawyer, how does it feel now when you see me doing exactly what I dreamt of? But then there's that part that tells me it's not worth it because I never thought I would have a bounce back. This is the bounce back. Never thought I would experience a bounce back. But there's always that part that tells me to walk into that media station and tell them, why would, you this to, why would you do this to someone you know? It was struggling. All my savings, all my dreams were in that show. And creators, copyright your work, patent your work, do whatever you can on your intellectual property. And I felt broken because I was counting on that show. I was counting on that show. I knew this is the breakthrough. But God had plans. As much as Kilimani Mom's show was a good idea, I don't think that's the legacy I would have wanted to leave behind because so many things happened around that name. I don't want to think that maybe God was saving me from the name. He was saving me from so many things, but at that point I saw it as... This is the, a battle between the rich and poor, between the who is who. Do I look like a known lawyers? Like, who am I calling? Who am I calling? Hmm? Haminua? No. No, Orengo? No. Who am I calling? Who knows? Nobody. You can't even pay. I mean, this is a show that everyone is banking on. Quality. Sound. Even today, I'm yet to reach that amount of production. And everyone knew we had a concept and we were winning. And I called Gregory, I explained to him. Gregory is very positive. He, he calms me down. Like, cause I was on, to, I was there. And he's like, let's see, let's work around it. And I remember the, the admin of Kilimani Moms, her name is Lynn. She's a, she's a lawyer also, one of the top companies here. So there was hopes. 
because even if when I was shooting, I had called, I had DM'd her and I was telling her I want to do this and she gave me her full support, you know. So when I DM'd her, they did what lawyers do, you know, and then it reached a time where everyone went quiet. So, Lynn, I'm not paying Nziza. She's doing this pro bono. She has a family. She's a mom. She's also working. And you have these rude people who are just writing emails. It's like they want to finish you and show you, you is nothing. Who are you again? Kwanza the lawyer, I Adele, the lawyer was like, you need to understand. You can't just take people's. And I went to the copyright. And I'm like, why? It's Kilimani. Even today, I still ask questions. It's Kilimani moms. Kilimani is geographic. Moms is generic. Who copyrights that in this country? It's a lie. You cannot copyright a geographic name. As who? You know? Uh, you see, again, when you've put all your money and people are now starting to move different directions, you give up. So I gave up a good one, went, to, went into serious depression, that time I'm in depression. My relationship is also falling apart. So I was dealing with, <laughs> I was dealing with an engagement ring that I did not know where to take. And I was also dealing with a dream that had been taken away from me. So when people talk about mental health and you see someone has pulled themselves out of that place, acknowledge it. Because it's not, that dark place is not a good place to be. And as I said, my mom had given me all the support. It was my time now to support her. And I felt like there's nothing I can do. So my friend Edwin, who we went to school with, he called me one day, 2017 August, and he told me he needs a reporter at Tuko. So I went. I was going for the money. I need the money. I need this money to pay rent. I need this money to buy food. I need money to survive. Right now, I'm back to doing things for money. I'm like, this dream doesn't love me. What did I do to you? I tried and the dream is gone. So Edwin calls me and Tuko needed a reporter and I went there and I reported the Sonko Kideru and they loved it. And my amazing leader, he, he doesn't work there anymore, but he was called Savelli. He really loved what I do. He is the reason there is this part of my life right now because he called me and gave me a job and he believed in my dream. And he was constantly telling me, me and my team, like what you are doing guys will work but i made it clear also to him i can't report on some of the things i want to have a path of my own one that is less traveled i want to tell human interest stories i say he's a wonderful leader because when i started showing him the kind of work i was interested in another leader will tell you no because gossip sells in this country i don't want to do that i don't want to do that so i was expecting him even to fire me because the work I was doing was not bringing in the numbers. Who want to hear a story of, oh, Sijui, my wife is suffering from cancer, or my wife has been in a coma for seven months and I've been taking care of her? Who wants to hear? What numbers are there? So even when we were bringing in 14 comments on YouTube, 1,000, no, 1,000 was a lot, 900 and something. He was there cheering us on and telling, even telling us which ideas we need. So Savelli, I know he will watch this. He's a, such a huge fan of my work. He actually believed in my dream. And that's when I, I went fully on doing human interest stories 
with the backing of the amazing guys at Tuko and we started doing stories and then one day when we put on the story of how street women in Kenya deal with pills and I woke up to people commenting and sharing and getting my name right at ura dema naitwa nilinani uli ngugi ni sister ya angugi i'm like no guys i'm not but you're getting my name right so here we have people are starting to get my name right that story on how street women deal with periods opened a door for me in this field i felt like now people started going back to watch some of the work that i had put out and people started even now dming me on facebook i upload a photo and we have 40 likes now this is good people started now subscribing to our youtube channel and we created amazing work together at Tuko but then in 20, 2021 during covid was one of our hardest years because my boss operates from Ukraine that time severely and we were at the verge of also giving up cause content journalism covid huh it's it's scary you know it's scary 2020 2021 it was it was we are still at 2021 yeah so it's 2020 it was so hard and we used to have emergency meetings with my boss that time and we thought of let's just tell stories that are happening right now even during this covid and stuff and that's why it's important to have a good boss because when you you feel like you are crashing and he shows you there's still hope it kind of motivates you so my journey at Tuko ended on 2021 Three months ago, three months, few days ago, three months and few weeks ago, two weeks ago, and I could not have been more prouder of the work that me and my amazing team, Edu, Davy, Yukabeth, Chebet, Bebeto, Kevin, we put out some amazing work together. But I felt the need to also own now full ownership of my intellectual property because I'm like these stories I'm telling are beautiful I don't want people to manipulate the way I tell stories I don't want people to own my stories I want to be a full owner of the content that I produce because I want to be answerable to my audience and when I resigned my boss had resigned a day prior when I resigned and for me i felt like i could not be create content without him because we had worked together nicely for close to 5 years so i felt like he was my creative partner so when i had his leaving i was also because it came as a shock i was i felt broken so i knew it was time for me to because you know when they say god sometimes will make environments uncomfortable for you so that you can he can elevate you hallelujah so So I felt like it was my time by force by fire to leave but I had always been prepared because my boss had always encouraged me to have my own YouTube channel put my personal content there and he was very supportive at it and when I quit I did not think it was going it's not easy but I was not expecting the support that I have gotten from people when I did the video <laughs> on leaving and put it on my channel. I went offline until 3 a.m. because I knew hapa ata 10k views. Hakuna kitu tunafikisha hapa. I wake up and we are on 200k views and we are trending and I'm like people are encouraging me and sending me texts and telling me Lin you can do this we believe in you. I'm like dear god is this the time I never leave home again? Is this the thing that I never get to go out to chase something that I don't love again? Is this the time that I finally stay? 
and I felt the support. It was crazy. I did not expect people would follow me with the name Lingogi. I did not think it had that much weight. I did not think people would still trust me as an individual to put out the work without the brand. And when I wake up and I saw the comments, there's this lady, she sent me an amazing poem and her name is Angela. We've never met on email and she sent me this and um, this poem of starting and canvas and now building back the pieces together, creating my own canvas, I felt like it's time. It's time. Because I always knew I was meant to be great. That's not even a coincidence. Unapologetic about it. I always knew I had to speak big about myself. I had to manifest big things for myself. Not in terms of cars or houses, but big things in terms of my stories and production and going beyond Kenya to tell these stories and going outside Africa and telling these stories all over the world. I knew I was meant for big things. So I felt like I could not be in Singefungi Watena. I felt like the space I was at was too, the room was getting too small for me. And then I felt like, no, I need to break. I need to, the shells now, I need, I need to break. I could not be contained. But it comes with a lot of fear. Like, what if I fail? But what if you succeed, yo? Like, what, God, what if it doesn't work for me? Will people laugh? Will people be like, Nani alimuambia atoke, alikuwa natoka? There were a couple of words said here and there, like, she can't make it. And it breaks you, because at, at, at that point, what you're looking for is, Lynn, you got this. And this is why it's important for you to know, you can't please everyone, and not everyone will vouch for you. And when you hear those, she can't make it, I'm like, allow me to reintroduce myself. I believe God doesn't give you a dream or he won't give you a gift and not show you. He will actually show you. He got you. This is my gift to you, my child. This is my gift to you. I gave you this. I'll take care of it. So I constantly say when God gives you a gift, he will take care of it. And fear, because I had procrastinated on starting by myself for a whole year. I would have these back and forth conversations with my friends like, guys, I feel like I need to start something for myself. But then I'm like, e salary na nispopata. You see, it's those things. You gotta pay rent. You have bills to take care of. But I said, how long will I work for bills? How long will I work for rent? How long will I work for um, at a credit? How long will I? I have to be big than this. And you see, the best part is, when you fail and you tried, it kind of gives you the satisfaction that, I, thank God, I tried. Thank God, I tried. And I, I was full of fear for an entire year. So full of fear that I will fail. But it reached a point where I'm like, fear, let's do this. Let's fail, man. If we are failing, let's fail. But we are trying this thing. We are going out and we are trying this thing. And it's not as easy as it as that. Because in my life, I always knew I wanted to be where I am right now. But it has taken me 10 years. 10 good years from 2011 to now to finally feel safe. And finally look my dream in the eye and say, my friend, we are going to do this because it has always been, I know I can, but I'm scared. I know I can, but what if? I know I can, but then it won't work. And I know even some people who are watching right now, they're on that point of their lives where they feel like you are working, you don't 
genuinely love what you are doing but you have to do it because you have kids to feed you have rent to pay and i always tell someone don't quit without an exit strategy i had mine for an entire year don't quit it's just that i would have stayed for another year had my boss not left so if you are if you if you're in a place and you don't love and you feel like there's something i love doing and this is not it allocate some time to your dream two hours if you want to be a presenter or a youtuber or anything just give yourself two hours in a day to study about it because also youtube is not as easy as people think it involves a lot of things it's not just a matter of shooting yourself and uploading a video it involves a lot of things two hours every day working towards your dream have an exit strategy save normally those people who will quit their job na madhara wata job ikunisaidia and then you have an exit strategy don't be mean because you know you have an exit strategy don't burn bridges but go out and chase your dream you are not answerable to people you are answerable to god and yourself so if god gives you a gift and you feel like you can't do it you are doing a lot of injustice in yourself and i always say it's good to speak big things into your life manifest them because let me ask you if someone is driving a range rover how did they get that range rover see there must be a way okay see wash wash ama whatever like that if someone genuinely got a range rover and you can see their pattern in habit it shows you it's possible it's possible taylor perry owns a studio house right now like an entire like a big one i saw it and i look at oprah yeah i mean even if you are not to go all the way to us look at you look this is legally clueless this is something you've built for yourself the dream just it's not even big enough to explain because when you think it's big it gets bigger i feel like one day i just want to be there sitting with amapo and telling her i used to watch you as a kid i feel like i want to genuinely sit with sophie kenya and tell her you inspired me or just katherine kasavuli and feel like this is amazing or just be like i know we are with you right now but adel you brought authenticity into this platform i mean you came out and you were unapologetically yourself and we were like who is this adel who is adel at adel nani and people would just if from is it 1 fm 1 fm those days all the way to radio africa and people would be like you came out and you showed young girls like there is no limit i don't want to put limit to my dream i don't even know what this dream entails myself it's too big it scares me even where i am today i'm on your set yo i'm on your set it's not something people take lightly another time i'll be on someone's set another time i'll be on someone's set you cannot put limits to this dream i look at myself sometimes i'm like am i ready lean gogi are you ready for what's coming are you ready for what's coming but then the ability to stay humble when you are at it because again at this stage and i tell creators don't ever forget where you came from i go to huruma i know our house i know how life felt in that ca- rectangular casquea house moja i know how it felt to put our double decker here our chair here our castor there our bed nini our um, what is it nguo zetu tunazipanga kwa ukuta i know how it's humbling but 
don't also fear getting out of that square and living in a mansion. The world is yours for the taking. Go out there and conquer the world. Don't let yourself be scared. I was watching, I, I'm a fan of Tom Bilyeu, and on his episode Impact Theory, he brought Lisa Nichols, and he said, the mind, you know, the mind has been conditioned to protect you. So even when you're making an extra step, the mind wants to keep you safe because it's not experienced to this amount of, we are going now, it will keep you safe so it will hold you back. No, but go down there, fail, fall hard. Because if you fall hard, only then will you experience what's on the next, the other side, you know. And I also love listening to David Goggins and he says, what we are doing right now with our mind is 40%. Can you imagine? Even when you feel tired, even when you feel like giving up, that's only 40% of your mind doing the work. And David Goggins says, have you experienced the 60%? We are talking about uh, a Navy SEAL who used to be a bodyguard to the president of Iraq. We are talking about one of the strongest men alive. If you see David Goggins back then and you see what he is right now, you are like, there's no limit. He says, you can't hurt me. Don't let fear hurt you. There is actually no limit to what you can be. There is no limit. And for me, I had to put in a lot of work to my mind because mindset for me, it's everything. I, I had to understand what my conscious mind is and what my subconscious mind is. I had to be the one to control my mind because when you can get to that point where you are the one controlling your mind and not letting your mind control you, then you know no matter how hard life is going to get, you can always, you can always maneuver around. As compared to if your mind says stop, you stop. If your mind says don't leave this job, you won't leave this job. But your mind is yours to control, not the other way around. So read also, it helps. I, I started reading at a very young age and that's why maybe my times even in high school and college and making coffee in between, it was easy because I was armed with a bit of knowledge here and there. And right now, the internet has made things easy. You can even read via your phone. So there are no excuses, but also appreciate. Appreciate your small wins when you make a latte and this latte is perfect. Clap for yourself because my friends used to tell me I have a problem. I don't take compliments. Even when BBC named me among the 100 influential women this year, I, I, I tried downplaying it. And then there's this friend of mine who's messy. She's like, celebrate yourself, you learn to celebrate yourself. I, I, I downplay my wins and I'm also learning to clap for myself as compared to having people clap for you. Downplaying your success does not make you humble. It makes you scared because you feel like, I won't lie, I felt I was not deserving of that. I was not deserving to be on that list. I'm looking at Chimananda, I'm placed next to her and I'm like, hi, <laughs> these people, this is so far-fetched. But I had to remind myself, you knew you would get here. You prayed you would get here. You prayed of the day you would ever be in this space. So how comes when the wins we prayed for last year, when those wins come, we still feel undeserving of those wins, you know? Even for me, I, I had to figure out that downplaying your success is not the same as you being humble. And there's no shame in clapping for yourself. But don't stay at that moment for too long. Don't stay there for too long. Don't go, oh, guys, I'm on BBC, most in French. I mean, you'll just look at it and you'll be like, Adele was there. <laughs>
<laughs> Adele was there. So I'm just like, so, but also appreciate your small wins in life. It's very important for you to tick. Go treat yourself to an ice cream. I made it. After here, I'm going to two rivers because I feel like I need a moment by myself to take it in. I feel like people have told me, but I have not told myself. So I gotta go do something that I love today. Buy a book, have some ice cream and say, on to the next one. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. How inspiring was that story by Lynn? Ugh. I sent an audio note the other day and I was just like, I hope she doesn't think I'm awkward. I was just like, I think we should be friends. Let's go out for coffee. <laughs> Let's do lunch. Just because it's so refreshing to, especially in a, an industry that is full of people pretending to be what they're not. It's so refreshing to come across somebody who is genuine, focused on impact. It's ah, refreshing and, and just so wonderful. And I loved her story. Like when she talks about, you know, having a good boss and her boss affirming her, I felt like, oh my God, I wish I, wish I had that, you know, a boss who's a good enough leader to see you as human before seeing you as an employee you know what I mean when she talks about her mom that really stood up for me and was very powerful and I connected with that also because my mom for a greater part was a single mom you know what I mean and that that has its challenges it when you're talking school fees etc and even just emotionally also connected with when she talks about leaving a job because it wasn't in line with your passion or your purpose anymore and you just being very aware of that and having to take a leap of faith and leave ah when she was talking about that I was just like preach sister <laughs> I was so moved when she talked about being limitless that is something I'm trying to get myself to accept deeper than just saying the words but actually believing that I am limitless and I can do or be or create anything just to kind of get rid of that fear and also welcome the humility that comes with learning something new so yeah you're limitless but you have to learn a couple of skills <laughs> Ooh, and we totally agree on sitting in your wins sit in them no matter how small you think the win is, no matter how big it is yours, it came from your hard work. Sit in your wins. Life is already so fast. You're moving on to the next high, which also is, can be problematic. But sit in your wins. Take it in. Take in the fuel it gives you to kind of like propel you to the next. But yeah, spend some time there. If you want to watch Lynn share this story, it's the last episode of season two of the Legally Clueless video series, which is on our YouTube channel. A link to that is in the show notes. Also remember, if you want to share your story on this podcast, be it an audio episode or you want to be on the video series, there is a Google form to fill in the show notes. Fill it up and I will get back to you. Also remember, you can catch this podcast on Trace Radio every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 11 p.m. and Fridays at 12 noon. To get a list of the various frequencies, just go to traceradio.co.ke. Finally, my book is about to be launched. Well, well, I've co-authored it with Lanji. So in the show notes, there's links to the Amazon page to buy it. There's information on if you want to buy the book using M-Pesa. That means you're in Kenya. There's details of that. And if you go to ticketsasa.com, 
you can get tickets to our launch, which is happening at 6 p.m. on the 3rd of March. I really, really am very nervous, but I really, really would love to be able to especially if you're in Nairobi, to meet you there. All right, let me wrap things up. Oof, I love recording this episode. I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening to the very, very end. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.